Welcome to the Homegirls. Four top producing mega realtors, moms, wives, and friends talking about real estate and real life. Angela, Kristen, Jessica, and Lindsay are in the top 1% of all real estate agents and would be honored to receive your real estate referrals in Colorado. Join us as we drop a new episode every Monday anywhere podcasts are aired, in real life on YouTube, and connect with us every day on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HomegirlsCO. Thanks for listening. We love you. We are so excited because today we are here with Christopher Waters, who is with Waters International Realty, based out of Austin, Texas, but franchised in many different locations all over the country. And he is the author of one of my very favorite books, Million Dollar Real Estate Team. So I am so excited to talk to you today. I would love for you to kick us off by just telling us a little bit about you and how your journey into real estate started. Yeah. So let's see, uh, 14, 15 years ago, I, um, graduated college and while in college, I had this lawn mowing business and, um, one of my customers worked for a, one of these, you know, big box brand real estate brokerages. And when I was in my final semester of college, you know, I'd taken care of this guy's yard house or whatever, like all through college. And so he was asking me, what am I going to do when I graduate? And, um, you know, he had like a small little team at a, at a brokerage. I didn't really understand that like at that time when he was explaining all this to me, but um, he, he had, he had like, you know, gone down the career path of like corporate America with, you know, taking advantage of his finance degree. And that's what I ended up getting a degree in. And he was like telling me all the pitfalls of it and, you know, basically convinced me to get into real estate. So I, right after graduating, um, my mom bought me a, a copy of the book, The Million Dollar Real Estate Agent by Gary Keller, and was like, you know, mind blown when I read that book and super inspired. And then I uh, joined this um, team within, uh, um, you know, one of these big box brokerages. And um, I was there for about four months. And I mean, you know, I didn't have like a traditional like lawn business in college. Like I was doing a couple hundred thousand a year in, in revenue, doing like commercial, you know, properties. You know, I had like a crew of guys. And um, so like, you know, at 21 years old, like looking back now, I just, I was not very um, coachable or, or humble at that stage in my life. And so I, I was there three to four months and I sold a number of houses and, um, you know, I, I was going through all these uh, classes and trainings and reading all this stuff about how important it was to grow the listing side, but yet I was a buyer's agent. And so at that point in my life and the lack of humility I had, I didn't quite understand the importance of, of like thinking about your career in real estate as kind of like this career trajectory path. And like, you know, what's the path of least resistance to get where you want to go the fastest just wasn't my mindset when I was 21. And so I understand, I appreciate and understand now why I started off as a buyer's agent. And, you know, I, I would have probably, you know, grown from there, but I was way too impatient. I was really frustrated because I was learning one thing in the classes and then, you know, doing a, you know, something totally different in my position. And um, one of the, one of the guys I sold a house to in those first couple months um, was, was this investor and I was telling him how frustrated I was and he, he hooked me up with another broker and I went and met this broker and he offered me a position to work there. And, um, as I, uh, this is 2007 and for anybody that remembers anything about 2007, the oil and gas market was like on fire back in 2007, like oil and gas prices were like crazy high. 
And the broker I worked with did a lot of work in the oil and gas industry. And he was like, Chris, you're 21, like, just go learn as much as you can. So you can figure out what, you know, where you should spend the next 30, 40 years of your life. So he, he, um, connected me with somebody in the oil and gas industry. And, um, I, I, you know, I kept my license active, but I basically went into oil and gas business for two years and I, and I was completely miserable, like, and like absolutely miserable. Um, and the like eight to five or whatever, I was, you know, working as what's called a landman, basically like tracking down the owners of mineral rights, getting them to sign an oil and gas lease. And then um, in the evenings, I was learning about search engine optimization, Google AdWords, blogging, content, all of these things around marketing. And I wasn't even an active, an active agent. So I did that for over two years, kind of like, you know, just, I mean, literally every single night, five days a week from like 5 p.m. until midnight, like mastering that stuff. And like, you can actually go back and look at my personal blog um, on uh, activerain.com. And you'll see where I created like, I don't even know, like hundreds of articles. And you know, what I was doing at that point was like, you know, uh, generating backlinks and things of that nature to improve our SEO with uh, with, with the website. And like, I wasn't even working as an agent, you know? So anyways, um, oil and gas market crashes in 2000 and, and 2009, which was a huge blessing because I was completely miserable, but I was making a lot of money for a 21, 22 year old. And um, so I, I um, you know, I wanted to go back in real estate, but the market was terrible. And so I started researching, you know, what goes, what goes up um, when the market goes down. For whatever reason, I read that alcohol sales historically go up when um, the market goes down. And like, you know, like I'm not, I'm not like, you know, a hard, like I didn't know, I, I'd never been a bartender, wait, waiter, whatever. Um, and, you know, pretty healthy. Like I'm not, you know, I mean, I did my fair share of partying in college, but like not like super hardcore or anything. Um, so anyways, in um, 2009, I opened up a bar and restaurant and nine months later, there were chains on the door and it was shut down and all the money I had saved was gone and I was in massive debt. And I'm like, man, what the hell am I going to do now? <laughs> And, you know, you know, the Dow Jones in the summer of 2009 hit like 5,000, right? Like people are panicking about the Dow Jones right now being at like, well, it's, it's, it's been up a lot the last two months, but um, anyways, uh, Dow Jones was like a fraction of what it is today. And so, you know, I, the only thing like I really knew at that point was like the first couple of months I was in real estate about prospecting, converting leads. And then the two years of knowledge I had gained from just learning about internet lead generation and like all the different things from a lead generation perspective. And so, you know, I, um, I was like, man, I'm just going to like buckle down and do whatever it takes to find a way to be successful at this. And so I, I ended up um, sleeping at the time on my girlfriend's couch. We ended up getting married, which is pretty awesome. Um, but uh, I was sleeping on her couch and like started, you know, just basically calling my sphere hammering my sphere and um, calling expires and doing like doing everything humanly imaginable to, you know, drum up business. And so that's kind of where my, you know, real estate, you know, career began. It was kind of a little, you know, zigzaggy in and out, but that's kind of how it all happened and how, what, what kind of led to me ultimately getting like super focused on it. So when did you know that it was time to start a team? When did that, was that always in your mind that you wanted to do that or... 
When did you know, that- if I'm if I'm being completely honest, at first it was a necessity. Like I had racked up so much debt, and like I started selling a lot of homes really quickly because um, I mean I was I was crushed, I was hammered. I was like getting up at five a.m. and working until one o'clock in the morning, like sleeping four hours uh, a night, and like going seven days a week. Like my first three years, I think I took like one vacation. It was like this one hundred ninety nine dollar cruise, like three day cruise feel awful. I made my wife endure that. It was like this really crappy cruise. Um, and I, I literally went like seven days a week straight for three years. And um, uh, I'm sorry, my ADD kicked in. What was your original question? Oh, you're fine. So when, when did you, like, when did the team come about? Like, did right. you oh, yeah, yeah. always so wanted one? At, at first it was just a function of like, you know, I need, I, um, two things. One, I needed to make a lot more money than I could as an individual agent, or that was my thought process. Um, but what kind of came as a result of like the selfishly needing to make more money and wanting to get more people on the team was, you know, I had to, you know, there's that saying, like, you always do more for others and you know, you'll do for yourself. And so like, as I started recruiting people on the team, you know, I needed, a, I, I started, you know, trying to figure like, how do I help make them be more successful? And so like, I kind of leveraged a lot of the like marketing expertise and knowledge I'd picked up um, to, to start generating a lot of leads for the people on, on the team. So that's, you know, it was, you know, probably 50% like wanted to make more money, which was the wrong idea, but the right idea, which was because I was surrounded by people I wanted to help. Um, the right idea was, you know, I wanted to, you know, uh, help serve others and help them learn how to replicate my success from a sales perspective. Did you ever, I guess, were you ever scared to start a team? I know you just came out of tons of debt and then you- Oh, I was still in debt. It took me like two years to pay it all off. So were, so were you scared to add another person to your team? I guess, I guess my question would be is like, are, are, weren't you scared to financially support that other agent if they couldn't make a deal? Weren't you scared of that? So I always, I don't know where I picked this up, but there's a saying like necessity is the mother of all inventions. And so, I mean, I was freaking broke. Like, I mean, I didn't have a way to spend money on Legion. And so, but I needed to make, I needed to grow more revenue because like selling two, three, four, five, six homes a month wasn't enough. Like I needed to sell more and I need to sell fast. I need to sell faster. And I knew I, you know, there weren't enough hours in the day for me to, you know, like I, at one point I remember the summer of 2010, I got up to like 13 closings in a single month, no assistant, no, no help. And I just, I realized like, there's no, like, this isn't sustainable. And so, you know, as much as people want to believe there's no ceiling from an income perspective, there is, I would say the, the asterisk to that is, you know, if, I think if you're like the guys on Bravo and you're selling, you know, a lot of these multi, you know, really high end properties, I think, you know, you can make, you can make a lot of money, um, you know, in the, you know, three, four, $5 million range per year. But that's, you know, that's, that's the rare exception. And that's definitely not the case in my market. And I didn't grow up with money and, or had a network of people with like super expensive houses. So um, it was definitely wasn't anything I could, um, you know, probably achieve easily in my first couple of years. So um yeah. So again, sorry. What was the original question? <laughs> it's okay. 
Okay, it's just basically, were you scared to add somebody onto your team, knowing that you had oh, this amount of yeah. debt? And See, my, the ADD else. thing, it always like comes full circle and I'm like, oh, okay, now I remember. Um, okay, so basically like one of the things I did early on that I, I think, you know, looking back, like if I hadn't done this, it probably would not have been able to build the team is I created this thing called a, a brand ambassador program. And so basically, you know, what I discovered when I started helping a lot of, you know, people buy and sell homes, like I started developing all these relationships with all these other local business owners, like, you know, cause the buyers or sellers needed work done, you know, they needed HVAC, roof, foundation repair, siding, windows, you know, inspectors, mortgage companies, you know, there's, there's like uh, 26, there's 26 different vendors. If you're, you know, if you're an agent out there doing a decent number, amount of business, there's like 26 different types of vendors you'll indirectly work with. Um, from the sale of a home. And so I started reaching out to local business owners and asking them if they would be interested in doing some joint marketing. And I say, you know, like, I can't give you a referral fee. I can't like, you know, do any of these things. It's against the rules. But I said, you know, what if we, um, you know, what if I was a brand ambassador for your business, like a cheerleader for your business? Um, and, you know, I, I um, put you on our website and include you in our buyer guides and seller guides and things of that nature. And, um, you know, and then we uh, go in on these, you know, marketing collaborative projects, if you will, um, from a lead generation perspective. And so, you know, that's, um, that's, that's how I raise the money to pay for the leads to, you know, help, help my agents be successful. Now, I wish I could tell you it actually helped them be successful. That was another lesson um, because I, the first, um, the first, it, my first iteration of a team I, so I implemented the brand ambassador program, got a bunch of money coming in per month. And, um, I actually got all these local businesses to like post date the agreement I had them sign that said it would, you know, they would start paying on August one. And then I spent the entire summer recruiting agents, getting letters of intent signed. And then I had all the agents start on August one. So the two things like both launched on August one and I spent all summer getting, you know, the money and then getting the agents signing LOIs. And so anyways, I, I wish I could tell you like it all worked out and it was, it was amazing. But the truth is when I recruited all these, I recruited uh, 20 agents over the course of the summer and I was 24 going on 25. And so like, I really wasn't like this great agent, you know, like I, I wasn't some like expert agent, you know what I mean? So my thought process then was go find a bunch of agents that are more experienced than me that need help with lead generation and on tech, like I got, I was one of the first people to get Boomtown back in 2010 when it was like the hot, the, you know, the latest and greatest thing. And um, so, yeah, I recruited 20 agents and at, at, after 12 months, um, our team sold 98 homes, but you know, the sad part is 80 of those 98 homes were sold by me and one other person. So I, I basically burned the whole team down. And so the things that I've, the things that I've learned, you know, the brand ambassador program is still a huge um, asset and a, a huge help. But the thing that I've learned is number one, you've got to figure out how to hire the right people. Um, just because they've been in the industry 20 years, doesn't mean they're going to be kick ass and crush it for you. Second, not all leads are created equal. And third, you have to actually know how to train agents and like <laughs> help train them to be successful. <laughs> so I just kind of like, you know, I, I can't even blame the people I, I recruited. Like the people I recruited were great. I just, I, I sucked at 
helping train them. And I sucked at, you know, um, providing, you know, I call them oil wells because we're down here in Texas. So I think it's important you have multiple oil wells to your lead generation strategy. And like, um, you know, it, it helps prevent the um, up and down cyclical nature of an, an agent's business. And so like, you know, in 2010, I was only giving internet leads, which have the lowest conversion rates. They have the longest conversion cycle. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's not setting a new agent up for success. So when you guys were going out and being brand, getting brand ambassador partnerships with people in, in the community, was that any business or only businesses relating to real estate? Um, so at, you know, at first I just reached out to people I was already doing business with. So like the homeowner's insurance guy, um, I got a plumber on board. I got a roofer on board. Um, who else did I get? I had a, um, a mortgage, I got a mortgage company. Um, I think those were my first four. I later, you know, added on a lot more. And at one point our, um, brand ambassador program was uh, up to almost $50,000 a month. So how were these people, like, how were you justifying what they were paying for, for them? So we would kind of, you know, we're, I kind of treat it kind of like a quasi, like we're kind of like a quasi marketing agency, if you will. So we have a marketing agreement, you which outlines them. all of these like very tactical things we do um, for these local businesses. And it's totally unrelated to like, you know, Pay, it's it's not a you know get paid for a referral type of thing. I'm basically selling brand impressions off of the marketing I'm already buying. In the book, you call them marketing service agreements. Is that right? So you know, like the the terminology of these agreements has changed a lot. Um, you know, at one point they were marketing service agreements. You know, now there's. Um, you know, there's another term, uh, God, what do we call them? Joint, joint marketing agreements, I think is a new term. So, I mean, you know, we have, you have to hire attorneys and like make sure all this kosher and compliant. And, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, like, uh, what, well, uh, to back up something, something really cool that's gone on with like Instagram and social media, generally speaking over the last, um, couple years is like, you'll go on Instagram and you'll see these like really fit guys and gals that are like flexing and stuff like pushing protein or whatever, you know, like they are basically being ambassadors for a, for, for a business. Right. So we were, you know, 10 years ago, that's essentially what we were doing. And, and but instead of like telling the consumer, like, Hey, you have to use this guy and like telling that business owner, like, Hey, I'm going to guarantee you one or two or three deals or whatever what we were, you know, telling these other local businesses is like, Hey, we're going to integrate you into our training with our agents. So like once a month, you'll come in and do like, you know, continuing education on like roofs or tile or flooring, or, um, you know, we had home builders come in we have, you know, like a mortgage company title company, they all come in and teach stuff. So we kind of integrated them into our training. So like they get an opportunity to be in front of our agents. Um, again, the buyer guides, seller guides, we put them on our website. Um, you know, uh, we have like a closing gift basket where we put like a, um, depending on the business, like a 50 to a hundred dollar gift card in it, which is kind of cool when you like help somebody buy or sell a home and they get a gift, they get a uh, closing gift basket with $5,000 worth of uh, gift cards. That's pretty, you know, it's a pretty cool thing. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, that, that was kind of the setup. Wow. 
Um, so I have a question and I've asked this question, I think to everyone who's built a team cause I'm completely terrified to do it. So I'm kind of in the opposite position of you where like we have no debt, things are pretty good financially, but I'm slammed. Like I've got 24 under contract right now by myself with no, it's not sustainable. Like you're right. What would you say to someone like me who is terrified of doing this, terrified of building a team? I, I would say just like slowly, you know, slowly stretch yourself. And so for example, like the first step is hire an executive assistant. If you have one, do you already have one? No, cause I don't want to yeah. pay anybody. Yeah. So like, you know, so is it, is it, you don't, you're afraid of hiring people or you don't want to take a financial setback? It's both, um, yeah. to be totally honest, it's both for me. So like, for example, um, you know, there's, there's lots of different, uh, strategies to like change your value proposition to the consumer to, to charge more. Um, if you actually offer more and it's, and it's a better benefit to the consumer to increase your revenue per transaction. So that's like an interest, you know, that's something we do. Um, it's part of our franchise box. Um, and you know, I think, I, I think what you'll like, I'll just share, I'll just tell you, tell you what happened with me. So like when I hired an executive assistant, for example, I was able to go from going on like six to 10 listing appointments in a month to 40 to 50 listing appointments per month. And so I, like when you start bringing people in, it like frees you up to focus on more income producing activities. There was one other key hire I'm leaving out that helped me get to that level of appointments. It was an inside sales agent helping book the appointments for me. So I guess if I'm thinking back, first it was an executive assistant, which kind of like helped me double my productivity from a sales perspective. And then I got the inside salesperson to book appointments for me. And then my productivity went up like another 300%. Um, the last, so like, for example, the last time I went on a listing appointment was a, a June of 2013. And in that first six months, like, I remember like it was yesterday cause I was beyond burned, um, burned out. Um, I went on 267 listing appointments between January and June of 2013. And, um, so like, you know, my, my fixed expenses grew, but my gross revenue also grew exponentially greater. See, and everybody says that. And like I sit here and I'm like, well, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like I, that's not going to happen to me. And so like, I think I have a mental battle with doing more. I don't, sometimes I don't know if I think it's money. Sometimes I think it's doing more. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, like, I think ultimately, um, you got to decide like what the end goal looks like for you. And so the end goal for me was like, I ultimately just wanted to be become a shareholder in the business and collect and collect shareholder distribution checks and not have to work if I didn't want to, like that was my ultimate goal. Um, and basically build a system and people, um, around me and help them find success in their respective, you know, uh, definitions of success. Um, and so for me, like it was just this, that was my, my, my ultimate quest. And so it was just lots and lots of failure through hiring, testing, and all these various things to be able to accomplish that. So, you know, I guess it just depends on what you, you want. I mean, if you just want to keep selling more houses, then, you know, yeah.
but the, I, I would say I would say the thing like most people in the industry massively mm-hmm. underestimate is actually how much bigger your organization has to be to actually truly exit the business. So like, for example, um, you know, that very popular book I mentioned earlier outlined the, you know, seven levels. And like, I followed that and I found a lot of holes in it. And granted, a lot has changed since then. You know, the book was written like 20 some odd years ago or more. So a lot's changed. Um, But like also, the thing I realized was, is like when my organizational structure looked like that, that was modeled in the book, it was, you know, very fragile. Um, if like one person left, I got sucked back into the business. Mm-hmm. And so I learned that your, your organization needs to be a lot bigger. Your gross revenue needs to be a lot bigger than what you actually think and what's actually portrayed out there to actually be able to legitimately exit the business and, you know, be, have other people that are running it for you. Like we talked about in the book, your director of ops, director of sales, director of lead generation, and a president overseeing the whole thing. So how do you make the jump from running a successful team to owning a brokerage? So like one, so one thing that I always struggled understanding is like, you know, I never really understood the difference between this, this like real estate, this definition of a real estate team and a brokerage. Like as I started building my team, like I relied on the broker less and less, you know, like, and in a very short period of time, I'm like, why do I even have a broker? I'm the damn broker. I'm answering all the questions at 12 o'clock at night on Saturday and Sunday. So, you know, I really quickly went and got my broker's license and became an independent broker, like really quickly. Like, I mean, I think in my first year, um, I think it was the summer of 2010, I actually got my broker's license because I just didn't see the point of it. Like I didn't, see, you know, like the broker gives you E&O insurance and then like all these other, you know, things they offer, this is just my opinion is, you know, they're just a bunch of shiny objects to try to like keep you on the hook. Um, I, I had this economics professor in college that said there's no such thing as a free lunch. And I know that seems like common sense, but like, you know, it's like, you know, when you're underneath another company, like they're trying to push their agenda on you. Right. So like that, that's, that's another thing that always bothered me. Like with some of the rev share models of businesses out there, it's like, you know, they, there's this like idea that they sell you that, um, you know, they're uh, helping you create retirement. But the thing they don't take into account is the attrition of real estate agents. Like, so you're basically, told that you're getting this um, retirement plan, but the truth is you're buying yourself a job as a recruiter because you will forever be a recruiter keeping your downline full because people will leave. And on average, it's like, you know, 80% leave in the first year, another 80% of those 20% leave in the first five years. You know, it's just, there's, there's super high turnover in this business and people don't take that into account into the equation the other the other thing is you know the people in in the um you know that do really well in these uh rev share business models they are the type of people that have been on stage at conferences for the last 10 to 20 years you know like they've they've paid like massive dues of like putting themselves on stage and being in front of a lot of people and they've essentially made it their job and then like the other people i know um, that are really successful, like literally they, they made it their job to be a recruiter. Like they have like a team of recruiters, you know, like it, they, you know, they, it's not a passive, there's really only, 
this came straight, this comes straight from Gary Vaynerchuk. It's like, there's only two things that are passive. It's owning real estate and owning dividend paying stocks. That's it. So like anybody that tries to sell you any other passive income is, you know, a bunch of BS. So tell people where the organization is now. Yeah. So our, our group in Austin is incredibly self-sufficient. I mean, we have an amazing uh, leadership team there in Austin. Um, Brad, Brad and I spend um, almost all of our time working exclusively on our business in a box. So there's a lot of people out there that want to, um, you know, they, their ultimate goal is they want to be able to collect shareholder distribution checks and like have leaders in place that run the business. And so, uh, you know, this business in the box, basically that Brad and I created, like that is where we spend all of our time. Like on an R and D perspective, we spend all of our time, like helping our franchise partners, like implement the recipe book. Um, like we've now done this in 11 different markets, every single market we've gone in, every single one of these people have grown two to 300% in a year. Um, you know, like my, my first franchise partner that started two and a half years ago, he was an on-site sales rep at a builder. And, um, you know, he took a huge leap of, a huge leap of faith and, and a huge risk to go start a team. He had never done it before, you know, never been a broker, none of those things. And, um, and he had to start all over. Um, right. And kind of learn how to not, he didn't have to learn how to be an agent. He kind of picked that up being an onsite builder rep. Um, but you know, in his, in his first year, he closed 110 homes. Um, and, uh, his second year, which was last year, he sold 260 homes. And this year he's on track to do over 500 in his third year. And then, you know, we onboarded somebody else in another town. Um, same thing. She was an agent. She had been a good, great agent for 10 years, kind of hit a ceiling at like 30 transactions and, wanted to build a business. And, you know, she went from 30 to hundred in her first year and then from hundred to 200 and two to three, you know, and so like we've done this now in 11 other markets. So this is all where Brad and I, we spend all of our time. And um, you know, the way we're trying to like get our message out there to people, cause like not a lot of people know us. I, I don't think a lot of people know us not yet anyways, cause we're kind of at the beginning of our journey of like building some name recognition on a, on a national level. Um, the way we're trying to get our name out there is like, you know, we, we've come up with a lot of like, we created a bunch of courses that are like super, super cheap. Like we, we didn't create these courses for the money. We created the mm -hmm. courses to cover the cost of the Facebook ads so that we could run Facebook ads and people would learn who we are. And then we wanted the courses to be really good. So people would like gain trust in what we do and like know that this stuff actually works. And so, um, you know, we, we have, um, a course, for example, on the brand ambassador program, we have something called the CEO masterclass, which I feel like has been, was probably one of the biggest holes I had to figure out and go outside of the industry. Like I, I've been through pretty, I've, I've paid my dues and gone through every, almost every single coaching program in the real estate industry. And they're, they're all amazing. Like I've learned so much and probably one of the greatest shortcuts to success is learning from other people, um, especially people that have done it and are, and are you know, uh, have the, uh, have the wounds of, you know, what not to do. So, um, a certain point though, we had to go outside of the industry to like understand like the leadership component of like, how do you develop leaders that'll help run the organization for you? Which is why we created CEO masterclass. Cause we felt like that was something really lacking is like, people don't actually tell you how to scale the real estate team into a full blown brokerage slash business. 
I mean, the team model is just an organizational model and there's no reason you can't be an independent brokerage using the team model. So, um, so anyways, yeah, we have the CEO masterclass and brand ambassador program and um, they're super inexpensive. Uh, and again, our goal is just to build trust and help blow people's minds. So that hopefully, you know, maybe one out of a hundred people will come on as um, a franchise partner. That's awesome. What are some of the common traits and characteristics that you have seen in the franchisees? Yeah, so I would say almost every single one of them are what I would characterize as like servant leaders. Like they will do things to their detriment to help others. Um, I'd say that's like a, 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 a very common characteristic. Um, you know, I'd, I'd say, you know, every single one of them have, you know, they have a big why, of like why they want to be successful. So yeah, I'd probably say those are the two, the two big ones, to be honest. What's your big why? Um, I think, you know, I think my, well, my, my like personal big why is, is legacy. Like I just, I want to feel like, you know, I can have a big impact on other people's lives. I um I don't know if you can see my whiteboard here. I don't know if you can see that, but uh, I, can. I can. Yeah. Not this not this page, but if you want to see something kind of entertaining, just so you know how my brain works. <laughs> you have a beautiful family too. I was gonna say that picture is so cute. I love it. Um. Where is it? There it is. So like, I mean, this is, this is like all, it's funny. I did all this for all the people that work for me before I did it for my own family. <laughs> but I started thinking about like key milestones, you know, cause I have, I have two girls now. My wife was pregnant in that picture up there. So I have, I have two beautiful little girls and I started thinking about um, what are like key milestones in your life and like, how can I help them? level up in their life and then like how can i help future generations like my kids kids and my you know kids kids and um you know and i did this with my agents like you know i ultimately you know uh, the thing um bradley pounds who is who is the co-author of the book with me the one thing that really connected us was we both felt like you know there's a lot of ambiguity around like how to find success in real estate and so like the thing that really connected us was our, like we always felt like our ultimate goal was to try to create a career trajectory path for, for salespeople that want to organically grow into leaders and like building their own businesses and like have a clearly defined recipe book to do that. And so like we spent, you know, I mean, we, we actually had to, we calculated all this out about a year ago on how much money we've like spent testing, figuring all this out. And we're, like at the end of this year, we will break $30 million. We like 30 million in commission. We have spent um, like to develop this business in a box, to, like help have this very clear roadmap for people. And it's been working amazing. Now nobody knows about it yet because we're not that big. We only, we're only in 11 markets. But um, anyways, we did this. Brad and I went through this whole exercise with agents. Like what are the key milestones from a learning perspective? How do you help them grow? Um, you know, in, in, uh, in corporate America, I used to, I thought it was like the worst thing ever, the corporate ladder, right? Of like, you know, you got to, your growth is contingent on people out of you and there's all this bureaucracy. And, but the thing is, there is some like validity in what corporate America does, 
with the corporate ladder. I'm not like saying the bureaucracy of people above you and the politics is cool or whatever. But what I am saying is what makes a lot of these fortune 500 companies successful is that they learn how to develop um, their people and like improve their skills. So anyways, this is something I did um, with my kids and like uh, just a small little example is um, if I think about um, my great grandkids, which I know sounds crazy to think about, I'm 35 now, 36, uh, yeah, just turned 36. And so like, I'll meet my great grandkids. And so I was thinking like, what's like, what's the big impact I could have on like my great grandkids and my grandkids and my kids and ma I mapped all that out. And um, I, you know, what I discovered is, is like right now, like you can, like every single person on this call podcast, like you could, you could take a really small step right now to have like a really massive impact on future generations financially. Um, for example, like, you know, I, uh, you know, my, my philosophy is like, I want to donate all my money when I die. And, and the only two things I want to help my kids or any future generations with is anything education related and two, um, kind of like a lifeline when they get old, because like when you turn 65, for example, your ability to earn income is crushed because you're typically like dealing with health related issues a lot of your life between 65 and 85. And so, for example, my, my great grandkids, I set up, um, I set up all these accounts for my great uh, grandkids and I, that don't even, they're not even alive, don't even exist. And um, I, I put $10,000 in multiple accounts. And if you um, take 10 grand and you put it in, a, in an account and like, let's say it's invested in just something random like the S&P 500 or the Dow Jones or whatever, and it compounds at 8% interest a year, like over the course of time, right? Nothing crazy. By the time my great grandkids retire in the year 2140, that's my estimate, is 2140, um, that this fund I've set up for my great grandkids with, with basically doing a $10,000 tranche per grandkid. And I kind of like estimated what each, um, how many grandkids I'd have. Great, great grandkids, not grandkids, great grandkids. It'd be worth $2.7 billion. And if I put, if I put, um, and so that's with me assuming I have 27 great grandkids and assuming my kids have three kids and those have three kids. I was kind of like thinking like, worst, you know, worst case scenario, but let's say you think you're only going to have one, one great grandkid, just one. And you set aside $10,000 in an account and you just forget about it and you don't put any more money in that account. For example, in 2140, that grandkid, when they turn 65 years old, they will have a lifeline waiting for them valued at $103 million. That That's is like so awesome. Really? I feel like this is the reason that I really wanted to have you on and that I really, really um, have always loved you and love the book is like, okay, so we all grow up with millionaire real estate agent. Like I'm a Keller agent. Kristen's a Keller agent. All of us have been at some point, like that's the Bible, the red book, you know, but it's, it is like exactly like you said, very ambiguous. And it's the same thing with what you just shared. Like everybody always says my big why is legacy. And I'm like, well, what does that really mean? Well, you know exactly what that means. And your book also, like, I love Gary Keller so much, but like he can be long-winded and over technical. And your book is like a third of the size and 27 times more impactful because it's like, okay, you want to build a million dollar real estate team? Here's A, 
here's Z, do all the steps in between and you're done. So that just blew my mind with that. I, I don't think I've ever heard someone actually be able to define what Lego C is that they're leaving. Well, and to like, to just think that you're not even thinking about your grandkids, you're thinking about great grandkids. That is just like, nobody does that. Like literally in my household, it's my kid. Like I'm wanting to leave a legacy for my kid. I've never thought about my kids grandkids like i've you know like that was just like that's amazing and that's selfless that is so selfless i, I think one of the the well it's interesting when i went through this exercise like several years ago is you actually have to do a lot more work for your kids to help set them up for college and like if you want to help provide a lifeline when they retire um and but like the second and third generation like it's very very small decisions and very small financial contributions to have an even bigger impact than you could on your kids. But it, it, you know, like, like I have, I got trust documents and all this stuff set up. And so like, for example, like one of the provisions in the trust is like each of these generations have to pay it forward before the money can be released. That is bad ass. Like I, I don't even have a will. Like, I don't even have, like, I don't even have that. And you're over here doing it for, like, generations. I'm like, that is badass. Do you have a financial planner that set all of that up for you and an estate planner? Or did you kind of do it on your own and figure it out? Um, so, you know, probably, like, eight, nine years ago, um, after sleeping on my, you know, girlfriend's couch, and my, my wife, um, I... Um, realized I couldn't put all my eggs in one basket because like I went all in on the bar and restaurant and invested every dollar I had. And so pretty early on, I got what's called a fee-based financial advisor. And um, it's, uh, I guess the other common term is a registered investment advisor. So basically they don't get paid commissions. They don't make commissions. They get charged, they, they charge a very tiny percentage, like seven tenths of 1% of your um, annual balance in your account. And um, so I got connected with one, a, a registered investment advisor. Like if you read like Tony Robbins wrote this really great book, like Money Mastery or something along those lines. I, I actually read it. It was an amazing, amazing book. Um, and uh, he, he, that's what he said, like, go get a registered investment advisor. So I've had a great experience. Um, and I've, I've actually been able to use my account that I set up with the registered investment advisor to get something called an asset guidance line of credit, which we use to develop properties and flip properties. And that's like a whole nother little arm of our business that I have somebody running. Um, and it's, you know, sitting in like 401ks, Ross and non-qualified investment accounts. So it started off with that. And then, you know, um, as t you know, as, and then from working with him, you know, he was always asking me, you know, have you done your will? Have you, you know, like, these are just the standard protocol questions these kind of people do. And um, I, um, you know, uh, after probably, you know, it's the reticular activator in the brain, like after the 10th time. And then I heard multiple people talk about it. I was like, all right, I'm going to go talk to a, um, you know, one of these estate planning attorneys and, um, finally bit the bullet and got a trust set up and then, you know, kind of expanded on that. And then slowly started expanding on my accounts in TD Ameritrade, um, you know, setting up accounts for future generations, if you will. So, you know, it didn't happen overnight. These are like small little incremental um, improvements over the course of, you know, ultimately 10 years. 
Is any of that in your book? <laughs> yeah, I no. Really um, bad by financial advisors, like to the tune of like fifty grand in one year, and um, I never again. I want to do it, um, but if there's a safe way to do it that I can invest and be able to trust somebody, um, trusting somebody with that much money and then them just losing it and having yeah. is uh, not something I want to do again. <laughs> I think, you know, one of the things like I'm, I'm nat naturally probably more of a control freak on the business side. And um, the thing that really helped me like deal with that is one, I set up a automatic withdrawal where it automatically withdrew from my account. And then the actual TD Ameritrade account, I don't even know the login details. I've never once logged into the account. Um, and so I totally detached from the outcome of what it does. Like for example, Tony Robbins book, I think it's Mastering Money, I forgot the title. It came out like two years ago. Like it, it just talks about like how, you know, when you think about like investing in stocks or anything, real estate, whatever, like it's, you know, it's about managing your emotions and you have to do the opposite of what is, you know, in your mind at the time, logical. So for example, like in two, in March, this, you know, two months, three months ago, during the beginning of COVID, we should have all been buying as many stocks as humanly possible, right? But everybody was freaking out thinking the world was going to end. So it's like, it's that kind of emotional discipline that's required when you have to do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. So like, I knew, I knew like, I knew that I would fail at doing that, being emotionally disciplined when shit hits the fan. And so like, I just tried to set up as many things as possible, like distance myself from it. So one, I would forget about it. Two, I wouldn't look at it when it went down because I would just psychologically like screw me up. Um, and then, you know, like the, the guy that I, I work with, um, you know, he's, he's, um, you know, his focus was like working with young entrepreneurs and he's, he's younger himself. So he was like trying to build up a big book of business for the next 50 years of his life. So I wanted to ride the wave with him. And I, you know, I, um, believe in his philosophy, which is, you know, like, you know, invest in a lot of different things don't like try to be a stock picker day trader or whatever like invest in a, a basket of different things um and um you know and and don't look at your results on a year like on a year to year basis like look at them over the course of like two decades or three decades because you know like i don't want to get too in the weeds of stocks for example but like you know like emerging markets if you invest in stocks have been horrible the last 10 years but between 2000 and 2010 it was amazing so, but you have to have asset allocation across different uh, spectrums. And so, um, yeah, anyways, I, my advice, Angela, would be um, get a registered investment advisor that is helping you accumulate assets and you're just growing your shares of stock or whatever. And think about how you can leverage it in real estate. Cause like I, I, I buy the, I use that money to buy flips. Like for example, we don't have to, it covers the acquisition costs and it covers the remodel. I'm out of pocket, no money. And then the cash is just sitting in TD Ameritrade. Um, and I have a local state charter bank facilitating that. So there's other lucrative ways to leverage it. You're so much smarter than me. <laughs> it's, you know, when I flip I, houses, I use my own personal money and I just keep it in a savings account and that's all it is for. And it's not doing anything. It's just there. So it's not growing in any way. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I've probably have, have just, you know, I'm like dumb enough to like 
fail like 99 times and like I'll stand up that last attempt on try number 100 to figure it out. That's all it is. I love that. Um, it's kind of funny that you said that because we've had the privilege doing this show to talk to some really amazing people. And I've asked people a couple times, what is the difference between us and you? So like, what's the difference between each of us doing a couple hundred units a year and having a really successful business and getting to like your status. And honestly, the thing that I've been able to come up with is fucking balls. Like, I mean, I don't know what else to say. Like you guys just, you fail and then you just keep going and then you just keep going and then you just keep going. And like, we seem to get so stuck in our failures that it's like paralyzing. Yeah. I mean, it happens. It, I mean, it happens to me too, you know, mm. so still it's human. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. So what would be your advice, like one or two things to somebody who is in that agent role where they're kind of at capacity and they want to earn more revenue, they want to grow, um, but they don't want to do it all themselves. So like an agent who's doing max on their own, what's the next step to get down that path? Yeah. Hire an agent, uh, hire an assistant. And, um, you know, I, you might also consider hiring a buyer's agent that you can mentor uh, and, you know, hand them off the buy side transactions and you work sellers, you know, you get, obviously you get more leverage on the listing side. Or hire, so, what did you say? 28 of them at one time and just go for it. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that again though. No, I would That's not wild. do that um, so we'll link everything for everybody in the show notes. The million dollar real estate team book is amazing. It is my very favorite book that I've read about real estate. I really I read it every year, but I didn't know about business in a box. Like I want a business in a box really bad now. So, um, how can people find out about that? If that's something that they're interested in doing in their own market. So, um, I, not to go on too long winded of a story, but I spent a lot of time uh, trying to figure out like how to identify the right people to give them the business in a box. Cause like, there's only so many of me and Brad, there's only two of us. So there's only so many people we can help. And we didn't want to become like a coaching business. Like we wanted to ultimately like build our tribe of like fellow um, business owners. And um, you know, so like basically the, the, the answer to your question, the best way is go through one of the live courses Brad and I do, which is either our brand ambassador course or our CEO masterclass. And you know, it's like, if you go through it and you say, Hey, Chris, this is garbage. We'll just give you your money back. There's like, no, um, like we're, we're like, they're very inexpensive. I think for the value you get. Um, I mean, you know, like the people that go through our brand ambassador program, like I think the worst performing person got $2,500 a month for the brand ambassador program at the end of it. And you know, the course is only 1500 bucks. So like legit, like the money for the course, it pays for our Facebook ads. So people know who we are. <laughs> that's why we do it. Um, and so I, that's the best way. And then like, if you go through that course and you're like, Hey, I like working with you and Brad, then we will, we probably ask you to fly down to Austin. You'd get to tour our, our operation and like meet some of our key people. And we get a sense of, you know, one another, spend some time, spend the day together. And then, um, you know, and uh, see if, you know, and if we both agree, like, hey, this is a good fit, let's, let's be willing to um, go to battle for the next 10 years, um, you know, then, uh, then we, you know, pull the trigger. Sounds like a very unique 
franchise opportunity compared to the other stuff that's out there. You know what, uh, what's kind of, you know, and I, I got to thank um, Gary Keller for this. So um, I was only at Keller Williams for like three or four months and, you know, Gary undoubtedly is incredibly intelligent, visionary guy. I mean, I hope, you know, I can follow in his, in his footsteps. Um, you know, he's built, you know, uh, you guys know, like one of the most successful privately owned uh, real estate company and, you know, super profitable to the tune of, you know, nine figures net per year, right? So it's, it's super, um, super successful. Uh, and so the thing that Gary introduced to the real estate industry is this idea of regional partners. Mm -hmm. And so um, Brad and I's like ultimate goal is to help 53 people build up their teams and so we like, literally this is where Brad and I like pour ourselves into is helping, you know, find these 53 people. We found 11 so far. I have four more starting in August, uh, but finding them and then helping them, um, you know, implement the recipe book, if you will. And um, uh, our goal is to find 53 and then give them regional partner rights. And a regional partner is a person, it's actually, there, there's not gonna be geographic restrictions, but a regional partner, is somebody that's like walk the walk and like done it. And then they can go help coach and help other people implement the business in the box. And so like our big hairy audacious goal is find 53 people um, to work with over the next couple of years and, um, and then get them to pay it forward. And then we share the royalties 50, 50 and the royalties really low. It's only 6%. And um, the um, uh, regional partners have 40 franchisees, uh, franchise partners underneath them. And, um, it's, it's a, it's, you know, I think it's a real, you know, wealth opportunity. And I think if you ask people within Keller Williams that are regional partners, they are, you know, they're probably the ones making the most money, the regional partners. How did Bradley pounds come into your life? So, um, I, uh, cold Facebook, uh, messaged Brad in 2010 and he responded and agreed to meet with me. And, um, he was one of the 20 people I recruited. So it was basically him and I that sold 80 homes. And then the other, you know, 18 agents, um, the other 18 agents sold 18 homes. So when, um, what, the thing that I noticed with Brad was after the first year, like people just naturally gravitated towards him. He just was like, again, he was like to his detriment, he was helping other people. Um, and he was really busy as an agent. So, at the end of that year, I went to Brad and I said, look, I'm like failing miserably at like training agents. Um, people seem to gravitate towards you. Let me build up the listing side because that's where I'm like crushing it. And why don't you build up the buy side and let's like, you know, work in tandem. And um, I made a deal with Brad. I said, uh, you know, if you can help build the business up with these key milestones, you can earn in equity into the business. And so, um, you know, that was, uh, you know, what kept, kept Brad on board. If I think if you asked him, I think that's what he'd tell you is like the equity piece that he earned in is what kept him on board. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, we just, you know, I, I uh, if you, you guys know Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank, she always says there's a, you've got to have the empire builder and the empire protector. And yes. so um, Brad was always like the devil's advocate to my super overly optimistic viewpoints. And so, you know, I think you have to find that dynamic um, as you're building your business. And so, um, so who was it? I think Jessica asked the question, you know, like, you know, who to hire, for example, I think you start with an executive assistant. That's ideally your empire protector. 
I love that. What massive success at 36? Yeah, it's all perspective though, you know? Like now it's like, it's just a comparison game, you know what I mean? Well, we talked to um, Jeff. It's a comparison game we all fall into. It's so true. We talked to Jeff Cohn, who's a huge agent out of Omaha. And yeah, I know Jeff really well. He's such a good guy. And he called it his sickness, which kind of made me chuckle because like, I feel like all of our personality types have that. Like, um, even though the sickness is like, thank God we're sick with this because it produces massive results. But like, it is like, it never stops. And then you have a great year, a great something, and then you have to go and do it again and then again. And it is, it's hard. Like you, you get to a mountaintop and you're like, yay, I should be on the mountaintop, but it's not really a mountaintop. You're like, oh my God, this guy's doing more and this guy's doing more. And for me, like I've been an agent, I'm 36 and I've been an agent for 19 years and the game has changed so much. Like none of this stuff existed when I started. There were no teams, there weren't partnerships. Like a, a good agent's career trajectory was do 20 or 30 units a year. And then maybe you buy a brokerage and then you retire at some point. Like now you've got these guys that are selling thousands of houses a year and it's just like, okay, gotta do more, gotta do more. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's it's that, it's like the old saying of like, you're the average of the people you spend the most time with and, um, and, and you compare yourself to and like, you know, and then like Tony Robbins is like, you know, uh, if, like, is it a must or is it something you're gonna tolerate? He always talks about like, you know, you're going to get what you tolerate yeah. or um, what is a must. And um, so, you know, like for me, same thing. Like I started off like in 2010, 2011, like quickly thinking about like wanting to get to this team, the 500 deals. And then I got there and to be honest, I was like totally bored out of my mind. I was like, I felt lost. Like I didn't know what to do with myself. And so now like I legitimately like now my target isn't 500. My target is beating, you know, Gary Keller, right? Like that's my target. My target is to build something bigger, better, and greater than Gary Keller. So, you know, I would tell anybody watching this podcast, like when you're getting started, like, you know, um, think a lot bigger than you are and start wanting to like raise your standard to the top of the industry, not somebody within the industry that maybe, for whatever reason, a lot of people follow, like go to the very few people at the very top of the pyramid and like set your standard of success there. And like, hell, even if you only get like three quarters of the way there or something, man, you're going to be way ahead. I have one last question. I would love, because we're four women, women so we talk about home stuff probably more than other people, but um, I would love to know how your wife deals with all of this. Um, what it's like to have a husband that's constantly chasing the next thing. Cause I've had a lot of like in my own personal life, I think we all have like, isn't it enough now? Like, can't you calm down now? But it's, it's not. So what is it like? How does she handle that? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would say the first couple of years were incredibly difficult. And then, you know, I kind of learned like what to share and what not to share. Not that I'm not transparent, but like, I also like you know, in the early years, like 99% of the conversation was real estate. <laughs> and, and so, you know, I've tried to like be a little bit more diversified in my communication, if you will. Um, but, you know, like the first, uh, the first couple of years are really tough. I, I would say that 
being able to like actually put leaders in place in the business has created an, an immense amount of balance for me. So like, I, I probably, I mean, I probably don't work more than 40 hours a week now at most. And like, it's, you know, it's all, it's all doing stuff that I'm like, I think is fun. Um, so, you know, I, uh, I'm, you know, go work out in the mornings, uh, see our kids for like 30 minutes and then plug in from like eight to five. And then, you know, uh, I'm, I'm always, I'm like, my cell phone doesn't ring, you know, I'm not talking to clients. I'm not talking to agents. Um, I mean, it's, I, I'm not a good person to ask about that. Cause I'm in a, you know, I've been very fortunate and blessed to find some amazing people to help me have a lot more balance in my life. It probably helps having a Bradley though, too, right? Like somebody that shares in that emotional load with you a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would say like the first, you know, the first three years were intense. Like we paid our dues. Like, I mean, is people talk about working 90, hundred hours a week. Yeah. Nobody's actually like working 90, hundred hours a week is intense. And, you know, I, I got super lucky uh, meeting Brad, incredibly lucky. And, you know, uh, I, I think there's, there's a Brad out there for everybody. There's, you know, in the book rocket fuel, it's the integrator. Um, so I think there's an integrator out there for everybody, but sometimes you have to interview a lot of people to find that person. I happened to, in the first like hundred interviews I did, I happened to meet Brad and, you know, recognize, you know, what a badass he was. Um, and so, yeah, I got super lucky in that regard, but like he and I, like, I mean, man, we paid our dues like massively, like, um, and not, but not only that is like, you know, we, um, you know, we weren't, weren't afraid to fail. Um, we were constantly trying to like help, you know, build other people up, even if it was at our detriment. And, you know, there were plenty of times, yes, we got screwed over. People became our competitor, like all these things people talk about, right? Like go train your competition and all this stuff. Yes. That happened like hundreds of times, but you know what? Like I eventually like found the key leaders um, or as Brad would say, kissed enough frogs to find the prince or whatever princess. And, um, that's, that's what, how I look at my, um, you know, key leaders in my brokerage in Austin is like, I had to go through a lot of people to find them. Like, I don't know, probably 2000, 3000 interviews, something crazy to find all those people. But, um, you know, now it's, now it's pretty sweet. We, Brad and I go to a, um, we plug into a zoom for an hour on Fridays at noon to, check in with our key leaders. Um, but we spend all of our time helping our franchise partners. So that's what we've been doing for the last five years. You are amazing. I'm so thankful for the time that you spent with us today. You are inspirational and wicked smart. And thank you for that book too. I think I can't even remember. I feel like I saw a Facebook ad and that's how I found the yeah. book. Um, but it, I mean, it literally, like, I hope that people are listening by the book and read the book because like millionaire real estate agent, again, love Gary Keller, but like, I mean, you can fall asleep like 57 times and miss like the meat of it as you're going through it. And your book is so like, I remember reading it the first time and going, oh my God, I'm an idiot. Like I've just overcomplicated everything. Like I should just do this thing and it will be perfect. So yeah. hopefully everybody orders the book. We'll put the link to that in 
the notes and then I'll find the links for your classes and put those in there too. But thank you so I, much. I have them on my Instagram profile. So if you just look me up on Instagram, I have like a link tree and you can go check it out. So Perfect. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to be in the great state of Colorado in a couple weeks. <laughs> yes, it is going to be beautiful. No more snow. You'll be safe by the time you get here. It'll be fun. You thank never you know. so much. Yes. Yeah. Thank you guys. This has been, this has been great. This is a really cool thing you guys have going on with um, multiple people hosting. I think it's cool and unique and I'm um, excited for where you guys take this. Thank you. We hope you loved our show today. If you enjoyed it, do the homegirls a favor and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Share this episode with all of your homegirls and friends and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at homegirlsco.